What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Wildlife Control Podcast. On today's episode, I have Leanne Williams of Williams Wildlife Removal of Charleston, South Carolina. I actually met Leanne over the phone. Uh, We had needed some support in Charleston and had given her a, a customer to sub out her company to, to go and help us. And um, noticed right away that she had a, a special business out there in Charleston. And uh, I believe it's one of the biggest companies in Charleston. They're on track to do over a million dollars in sales this year. Um, she's built a, a really great company and you can tell she's extremely passionate about it and, and really loves it and really takes care of her customers out there. Um, she's a former Wildlife Solutions employee and uh, right around the time that Wildlife Solutions went down, she she picked up and, and ran with her own business. And uh, I really enjoyed talking to her. She has some really great ideas in her company that she believes has attributed to her success. And I couldn't agree more. So here it is, episode 23 with Leanne Williams. I'm good. How are you? Doing good. (laughs) Glad to be here. Thanks for meeting up with me. Uh, So, how long? What's the name? It's Williams Wildlife Removal. That's right. My last name. Mm -hmm. And how long have y'all been in business? Since 2014. Okay. And me and you have a mutual acquaintance, uh, Steve Demore. That's right. The yeah. Wildlife Solutions guy. That's right. So you you used to work for them years I, ago? I did. Yeah, that's how I got started in the industry. Is I started working for them in 2010 and uh, worked for them over in Columbia for about three years and then in Charleston for about two and a half years. Are you from Columbia? No, I'm from Georgia. What part? little town called Plains, Plains, Georgia. Where is, is that southeast? That's southwest. Um, okay, near like Leary, Albany? Near Albany, yep. It's Albany? Ha- Albany. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tea tiny little town, home of Jimmy Carter. Oh yeah. So population's about five to 700. I lived in a small town called Fargo, Georgia for a year. Oh yeah. 200 people. <laughs> I just checked the population Ooh. recently. There's 300 now. Oh, wow. So they're getting up there. Plains as you meet. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, that's, that must have been fun. So you grew up hunting, trapping. I did, yeah. My dad was a big outdoors guy, and um, Plains is obviously very country. So my father was super uh, an outdoorsman. So we hunted. We caught squirrels. Um, he had a hobby of catching rattlesnakes. And would stuff them um, and make belts, skin them and make belts, so boots. Yeah. yeah um, There's some that area. I think that area. It seems to be there seems to be a lot more rattlesnakes over there. Yeah. So his big his big two saints were the timber rattler and um, the eastern diamondback. Cool. Yeah, and we would go out in like pine tree forest and find holes in the ground, mm-hmm. and then take a little PVC pipe and blow like a fume of gasoline down in the hole and the snake would come out and we'd bag the snake. Wait, so you light the gas? No, no. You just, you just pour it? Just blow, blow it a little through a tube down in the okay. hole and the fume will drive a uh, snake right out. So once the snake comes out of the hole, you got your catch pole, got the snake, bagged it, 
and put it in the freezer to humanely let it go to sleep. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we could preserve it. That's awesome. Um, I had no idea that it was that easy. <laughs> I, obviously, it's not that easy. Yeah. But So, were those like just burrows? In the ground? Like from yeah, holes? Yeah, little or? holes. No, just like snake holes. In, like, um, clay. in Georgia, it seems like pine forests, you know, like planted pines. Yeah. Um, it's a big area near fields to catch okay. rattlesnakes like that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, Wildlife Solution, so you were there when they had the big falling out. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, I, um, I came to work for them in 2010. Um, I lived in Alaska for about 10 years before that and just wanted an outdoor job um, mm-hmm. moved to columbia because i saw their ad that they had out and thought huh that looks interesting and fun i have no experience whatsoever rather than growing up in the country i'll just send them this great cover letter and a resume and i'm sure they'll hire me <laughs> oh, yeah. so i moved to columbia thinking yeah great um so you didn't I, even have the job and you just moved there that's right Oh, you're, you're confident. Yeah, I was confident, but, you know, I, I had just gotten off the Appalachian Trail as well, so I had just hiked 2,200 miles. And you was, did the whole thing? Mm-hmm. I've done parts of it, not the whole thing. Well, that's great. I did, uh, I did 75 miles of it hmm. over three days. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's yeah. only 200 miles, the whole thing? No, 2,200. Oh, 2,200. 2,200. Damn. Yeah. I'd love to do it one day. Yeah. So uh, I had just gotten off the trail and I realized that I just wanted to work outdoors only, mm-hmm. but I had no idea what I wanted to do. So right. I had to go back to Alaska to get my truck and my dog. So I just drove across the country Googling outdoor jobs southeast and found Wildlife Solutions had an ad in Columbia. And so I just moved there thinking, I'll get it. And I sent them this great cover letter, my resume, no experience. And I didn't hear back from them <laughs> for like three months. So I got a job and I'm, you know. Where did you get a job? I was working in a restaurant, great okay. restaurant there called Garibaldi's. And Sounds good. Yeah, it was great. And that's not what I wanted to do. You know, right. they were opening up a new restaurant. And I thought, sure, yeah, I'll do that. And then I'm like, no wonder whatever happened to that wildlife company that I contacted. So I called back. It was one day I had off and I had been out taking a walk and I called them and said, Hey, I'm this girl. I sent you a resume and this awesome cover letter and just wanted to know if you got it. And they said, yeah, we did. We just thought you weren't available for nights and weekends. I'm like, no, I'm working nights and weekends now. So um, I ended up convincing them to come to Columbia just to meet me um, because I told them I was really interested and I'm a fast learner and if I can just hike 2,200 miles, I'm sure I can do this job. So they did. Steve Damore and Robert Dramones ended up driving to Columbia, sat down with me, and um, I asked them, I said, have you ever hired a female before? And Steve just kind of looked at me and smiled. And he goes, actually, no. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, well, now's your opportunity. <laughs> yeah. And so he hired me. Awesome. And I worked for them for five and a half years. And you were their top salesperson? I was. Really? Absolutely. I was just my guess. Oh, I killed it. Killed it. So you're servicing Columbia. Yeah. 
Wow. So you you beat their sales in Florida, like in Orlando, Jacksonville, Absolutely. Charleston. Did you come to Charleston? I did, okay, yeah. Okay, so, so you're servicing both. Well, yeah, I worked over there three years, and then the fella that had covered their market here for years uh, finally left, and I said, you know, what am I doing in Columbia when I can be in Charleston? Right. So I convinced them to move me here and um, took over this market for them. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. We, we've hired several female sales reps, and they always kill it. Why, why do you think the, why do you think that because y'all have more to prove, do you think that's what it is or you just customers trust you? I think a lot of customers trust us because we are females. Yeah. I think, um, just in general that we pay more attention to details mm-hmm. and I think you listen better. We listen better. <laughs> um, we talk, we're more, we're better communicators. <laughs> I mean, we are, I'm just in general. No, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. we're more organized. So as Definitely. far as phone calls, emails, text yeah. messages, face-to-face visits, we're, we're better. I mean, I'll sit down with my client, have coffee, let's talk. Uh-huh. Whereas some other technicians might not do that. They got to keep going. You know, I, I oh, just yeah. think we're... I can count on keep. one hand how many times I sat down to have coffee. <laughs> and I think it was like one time yeah um wow that's awesome yeah so what when was the falling out with wildlife solutions was that 2013 that was um 14 14 okay yeah so that was july uh right after july 4th weekend of 2014 Mm -hmm. and um I was going to work that morning, Monday morning, getting in my truck. In your zebra stripe truck. My zebra stripe truck. With your chaps. With all my <laughs> all my gear on. And um, I got a call from the other owner, um, Christian Agnew. Yeah. And he had let me know that Steve had left the company. And um, I actually thought he was telling me I didn't have a job. So I was about to lose it. And he said, no, no, we're going to carry on. Um and long story short, uh, I didn't know what had happened. I had, you know, there was no, everyone in Florida was gone. It went from a company of 40 to now a company of four. Ouch. So I just had to carry on. I had clients, I had traps in the field. I had just a life. I had a mortgage to pay. I didn't know what to do. So I kept going. Um, and that lasted for, just a few more months, um, and then basically um, things weren't working out, obviously. Yeah. So um, I, I'll never forget, I was downtown Charleston, and I called my father to let him know like what all was going on. And uh, he said, well, Leanne, just, what are you doing? Put your tools down, walk to the business license office, and get yourself a license. And I was just like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, you've been doing this for five and a half years now. You know what you're doing. You're an excellent trapper. You do everything anyway to start your own business. And so I did. I put my tools down. I walked down to the office, bought myself a license for like $25. I didn't know what in the world to call it. Just said, okay, my last name, Williams Wildlife Removal. Yeah. And then bought a truck um, from one of my former clients over in Columbia. 
He was nice. a car dealer. He owned a car dealer, dealership. And um, by the next week, I had everything I needed to get started and sent out a postcard to as many clients as I could remember. Yeah. And the postcard had my picture on it with holding a little squirrel. Oh, cool. And I thought to myself, if people don't remember my name, they'll remember my face. Sure. And so I must have sent out several hundred postcards and people called me. I was lined up for work the next week. That's awesome. And that's how it got started. Uh, they would have remembered your name, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, so if they did remember my name, they'll remember my face. Most people don't expect, and I think it's silly, but most people don't expect a woman to show up to solve their wildlife issue. No, they don't. Actually, most people don't expect somebody that's clean cut with a collared <laughs> shirt on to show up to solve their wildlife issue. I mean, I've heard. Yeah, so. I've had people call and say, well, who are you going to send out? And I'm like, oh, well, that, that would be me. And there's a pause, you know, it could be male, it could be female, it doesn't matter. And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I wasn't expecting a, a lady to come out. I'm like, no problem. I get it all the time. No worries. Wow. Yeah. And then I've had other people um, not hire me because I was female, not want me to come out because I was female. Is this a woman or a man? Mostly men. Really? Mm -hmm. Not allowed? They don't think that uh, a lady can do that type of job. Oh, my God. Yeah. Not many people, but every now and then. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I would think maybe it's some jealous wives that don't want... No, the, really, the <laughs> ladies are super impressed. And yeah. I think the ladies are glad to have a lady, a yeah. lady in a service business. Most of the time, service businesses, you get a man. So I think the ladies are pleasantly surprised. Like, oh, this is great. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. That's awesome. So when you were with Wildlife Solutions, it was just you, right? Or did you have people helping you? Um, yeah, it, it, it was just me for a while. And then they eventually hired a um, repair team okay. uh, person to yeah, to help me do exclusion. Um, but for a while, I had to do everything by myself. All the sales, all the trapping, all the mm -hmm. exclusion work. Um, but, you know, I, I have limitations. I can't lift a 40-foot ladder. There it is. I mean, you need that a lot around here. <laughs> you do. So I'm like, okay, I can do the job. But I, I need some. I need a lighter ladder. I can't carry a 40-foot ladder. There's just no way. So if I, yeah. if I have to do it, then I'm either going to find a window to crawl out of, put on a harness, <laughs> be safe, yeah. or I'm going to rent a lift. Yeah. One of the two. Yeah. Um, and that worked. That worked for me. Yeah. They made, um, they, they, they bought me a lighter ladder. They made a, amends for yeah. my well, physical, right. Um, but it worked. And then they hired, they realized I was selling. Enough. Oh my gosh, she's selling. We gotta get her some help Yeah. so she can keep selling. And so that's what ended up hap happening. Nice. So when you started your own business, was it just you when you started? It was just me. Mm -hmm. okay. I actually hired another female uh, wow. after about six months, and her name was Stacy, and she was great. She helped okay. me for, she probably helped me for about six or seven months, and I would have kept her on forever, but she ended up moving back to Pennsylvania where she was from. Okay. Um, so at first it was me, then I heard Stacy, and then down the road I hired my first really full time employee, you know. 
put everybody, put them on payroll and, and the whole nine right. yards. And from then, it's been basically about a truck a year. So I have a, t- a total of six on my team now, six trucks. Um, I have some amazing employees. I can't say enough about them. They're awesome. We, ha- we have a great team. And you're doing about, I'm guessing, I'm going to guess, you can say I'm right or wrong, you're doing about a million dollars a year in sales? Yes. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. We're, we're looking to do more this year. Um, I just hired a, another new salesperson. So, um, and I still go out in the field. I'm not as much in the field as I was, but mm-hmm. uh, there's so many barrier islands here in Charleston. Oh my gosh. You know. Traffic's horrible Oh my here. gosh. And so, <laughs> you know, I live way out on the sea islands. My okay. other, all my other technicians live, uh, you know, towards North Charleston and Somerville. Yeah. So we're really spread out. So you have to think who can cover the sea islands best? You. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Who can give the most attention to that client? You. Me. Yeah. So that's fine. I love it. I think that, I mean, I spend a lot of time in the office nowadays, but I don't think I could ever not be in the field. I mean, that's what I love. That's my passion. Right. I love trapping. I was, I was out this morning at 6.30 a.m. getting my animals. So. Nice. But just in small doses, because obviously as the owner of a million-dollar business, it's tough. It's tough. You can't. I mean, obviously you could. You just sleep a lot less. That's right. And do a lot less of everything else. I get up early. (laughs) (laughs) Get up early, go handle my few clients, and then get get down to business. And sit down behind a desk. You got it. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. Otherwise, things will fall apart. You can't keep up. That's right. Definitely. So, truck a year... Over over a million dollars in sales. Or? Just just at a million last just year, and um, I, th- I think we're projected to do a little more this year, which is good. Okay. Even during the pandemic, which is um, pretty amazing. I think it. I remember being so worried, you know, like oh gosh, what's going to happen? And it just it went the opposite direction for us. Thank yeah. God. Oh, I know. Yeah. I. Yeah, a couple of our folks were concerned and I had some people even claim that their sales were down due to that and I called BS because that's it wasn't the case for us anywhere else so um, no it actually was a strangely enough for us in the industry it was a blessing in a weird way yeah got some money from the government that we want to pay back hopefully Mm -hmm. cross fingers crossed Mm -hmm. and uh, our business went up so it was a positive thing so a lot of people do things differently depending on who you talk to. Do you do more of a sales and service model? Like where you're, you hire a technician and they do sales and service and they got to complete the job? Or do you kind of have one person or a couple people that are focused more on the sales part of it and then people that do trapping, people that do repairs? How do you do it? So we have um, three people that do sales. Um, and they do all the trapping, most, most all the trapping and they do some of their own repairs, but then we also have a team of three that are repair team only. Um, there is no way (laughs) we are so busy with, with jobs per week, um, that my technicians can handle that are doing sales and the trapping 
and doing all new assessments, there's no way that they could keep up with the large repairs. No way. Yeah, so I have a team of three guys that are just repair team only. Gotcha. Yeah, um, and still we're, we're two weeks out right now. Yeah. We're two weeks booked. You should always be two weeks out, I said. Two <laughs> You know, I'm thinking, we, okay, I need one more repair team. You know, I need maybe two more so we can just keep going and keep up yeah. with the repairs. Right. Yeah, there's, it's it's a, I've always, I'm sure there's some finance person that has a, a an opinion on it, but I always look at being, I, I like being booked up for two weeks out because it gives my salespeople the opportunity if there's bad weather or you know they have to take off work or whatever and we have a tough tough week in sales it gives us the time to keep the repair techs busy because obviously we don't want them sitting at home right but if a sales guy's sitting at home it's not the end of the world and if he's sitting at home we can make him do something that's going to drive in revenue mm-hmm. uh so i i kind of like having that two-week buffer to give us an opportunity to, to drive in sales if, if something were to happen, you yeah. know, whatever it is. So that's, that's good. So that's, that's kind of the model that we focus on too. It's, I think that is the best model. And I think until you get to a similar model in one territory, you might have a difficult time getting to that magic $1 million mark. So like for you, when did you make the decision? So you hired Stacy. Um, when did you make that decision to hire somebody just when you were booked up with exclusion work or yeah I think about six months in oh. I mean, people people had known me a long time I mean I yeah. had worked in Charleston I'd, even people in Columbia were calling yeah. me in Charleston like hey can you come over here and I'm like not anymore yeah. <laughs> you know used to but not anymore um, so six months out after I sent out those postcards and you know the house is here. So, oh, yeah. Okay. So, downtown, I was getting three stories, four stories, five-story nice. homes. Stacy and I are trying... I mean, I'm trying to work on them myself. There's no way I could ever get those repairs done. I'm like, I need help. And I yeah. met her. She had some wildlife experience. And she and I just tag-teamed it together and just went from house to house to house. Um, and then I realized it was just getting even yeah. bigger. Yeah. That second step. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you, I already knew how things go as right. far as selling and repairs. So yeah. I knew pretty immediately that I was getting more popular and that I needed to move forward. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So you just kind of, as you got to those places where you're just so busy, you just hire people as you got there. Exactly. Yeah. 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 There's really no magic to it. Tell people all the time, you sell as much as you can, then you hire somebody to do the work, and then you what you're doing is you're buying time for yourself or for a salesperson to sell more, mm-hmm. and they sell more, and then you hire more people and you just do that over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And it's, that's how you grow organically that's in right. our industry. And all employees do not work out. You know? And so you, you what? Are, that's right. You haven't retained a hundred percent? All of them do not work out. (laughs) (laughs) But I think finally, once you find that person that does work out, you want to try to do everything in your power. To keep them. To keep them and make them happy and treat them fairly. 
and I, I do. I'm lucky. I have a great team. I finally gotten to that point. It's what's the longest employee that you've had? The the last employee was with me for five and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's just pretty good. That's five, awesome. five years. Yeah. Yeah, that's where we're at too. Five about five years. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, it's tough. People are, that is the most difficult part of running a service business is people yeah. and learning how to, especially, um, cause I had a similar, I have a similar story as you. I didn't, you know, grow up thinking I was going to lead a company or, you know, I thought I would just work for somebody forever. So you have to acquire skills that, uh, they're, they're just not natural you know, in leading people. And, uh, for me, and I don't know how old you are, but I was really young. I was, you know, my early twenties when I started hiring people and most people I was hiring are twice my age. And it's kind of, it just felt weird telling people what to do when they could be my dad <laughs> or my mom. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a whole new challenge, but no, that's definitely agree. We've had people before that thought about leaving and we just fight for them to stay and we try to accommodate for them and we find out why they wanted to leave and we're like, no, no, we'll do these things for you. Cause you know, it, a lot of people don't realize how good they are. Um, and some of them do, and they're not that great. They think they're the best, but they're actually not that great. Mm-hmm. But the ones who they don't really realize how good they are, but they're good. Those are the ones that you've got to keep. Um, but yeah, it makes a difference once you get a team, you know, even if it's, you know, for you. So how many people you have work for, you know, six, six. Mm -hmm. so you have six people working for you. Even if, if three of the six are just, you know, excellent employees that, that core foundation can then spread out, I think to the rest of your company and you already kind of get a culture going, you know, when you, when you're keeping people. And so when the new ones come in, they see that culture, they either adapt or, you know, they get kicked out because they just can't handle it. You yeah. know, they can't handle that. Oh, you guys are going to show up early to work five minutes early to a meeting. You guys are going to, oh, you actually take care of your customers. This isn't my style. Like I want to go home early. I want to screw off. I want to skip corners or cut corners. Mm-hmm. And the other people in the company won't let that happen. No way. They're like, you're going to tell on me? Like, well, yeah. Yeah. We're giving a warranty on this customer, so they actually care. Yeah. So, yeah, you definitely got to hold them to that. And I think that in itself can help you grow, right? Absolutely. Because the customers, you know, they're, we're not a recurring business. I mean, there's some things we can sell that are recurring, but most of what we do is one-time service. Mm-hmm. So, um, you said it before, you have a, and this is a small community here. It's... Well, there's a lot of traffic here, but it's still a small area and there's small neighborhoods and people talk and you go out there screwing people over. Well, they'll, it's going to go around fast. They'll know. Yeah. And, when you, I, have, you, get, and you, you have your last name and your business name. Right. So it's even probably even more personal. I'm it's, sure it's very personal. Yeah. Um, I can remember when I moved here or, or moved, I mean, I was in Alaska for 10 years and I was in Northern interior. So there, there were not many people or traffic and mm-hmm. I, you know, living there, working there for 10 years and then to come back to the South, you know, I drove through Atlanta going, Oh my gosh, 
I'm freaking out. There's so many people. And so when I moved to Charleston, I'm like, oh, this is kind of a big city too. Yeah. But then as I, as I lived here and, and worked here, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's really not that big. In yeah. fact, so-and-so knows so-and-so that yeah. knows me. And that's how the business grew is because yeah. I am very personable with people. And this is a small town. And, yeah. and it grew through word of mouth, which is the best referral ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still like that today. That's great. Yeah. So why don't you think there are more, because there's a lot of female operators I know of, and I hope they listen to this podcast. I know of like three in Jacksonville, Florida, um, that work for a big wildlife company. I won't mention. Um, and I, I know that there's others. Why don't you think more of them go out on their own and start a wildlife company? I, I think that starting a company is extremely intimidating to a lot of people. Um, just like you thought that she would never start a company, just like I did not have that thought or intention. I was happy making money, working for someone else for a very long time. And some people, if they have not had a lot of change in their life, cannot make those changes. They can't get it through their mind that I'm going to be a business owner. I'm going to go to this next step. Yeah. Um, there aren't a lot of females in this industry anyway. Um, not a lot of field technicians that are females. Definitely not a lot of repair technicians that are females. No. So the females that actually do get in this industry, you know, why they don't step up to the plate and create their own business, it could just be their personal preference. You know, maybe they're happy working for someone else and just making money, doing their job and going home and yeah. dealing with their family. And, and maybe that's a part of it too. Maybe they right. have a big family. Sure. Um, you know, I am married, but I don't have any children. I just have a dog. Cheers um, to that. You know? <laughs> I don't even have a dog. And I think to myself some days when I'm out in the field, then in my office, and then after I get done with all my work and probably still not done, I have to cook, I have to clean, I have to take care of the home. I can't imagine what a female wildlife control operator business owner with children on top of that would have to go through, right? That's a big deal. It is a big deal. That's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. For sure. So maybe that's why. (laughs) Maybe that's why there's not a lot of us. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, God. Yeah. I never thought about that. And then, you know, like I tell my clients when they're just super shocked that I'm a female, I look at them and my line is, well, you know, it's not for every gal. I... It's yeah, not it's getting dirty, not. No. Uh, crawling around in crawl spaces, uh, going in attics, picking up fecal matter. You know where you could probably meet a lot of female wildlife control operators? Where's that? On the Appalachian Trail. There you hiking go. Hiking the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> I mean, all the I mean, there's a lot of women. When I was hiking it for three days, I ran into a lot of women. I saw them by themselves. Mm-hmm. Nobody with them. I could not believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that takes a special person, too, to do that. But, so I was a park ranger for two years. Oh. I had two different bosses, both of them females. Oh. Um, and one of them, she majored in wildlife ecology. 
and the other one, I don't know, some natural resource degree. I don't remember what it was. But I, I think that a lot of people don't even know about our industry. Like they don't, they don't realize the opportunity out there. Not that I want more competition out there, but I think that a lot of people just don't even get into this kind of business because it doesn't, doesn't really exist. You know, the, I don't know if you heard my conversation with Steve, um, but that's, that was my first introduction to wildlife control was seeing one of their trucks, the zebra stripe trucks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool. So, you know, a lot of people just don't even realize it, but I always knew I wanted to work with wildlife. I didn't really know exactly what that would look like or what I would do. But if you would have told me that I could do this when I was 16, I would have dropped out of high school immediately. I wouldn't have needed to finish. I would have got a head start. I'd be retired today. <laughs> I'd be 100% retired. I, I would not have been doing this at 16. I have <laughs> No, I would have never pictured myself doing wildlife work like this ever. Yeah. Um, and I am, I, I was not, uh, I didn't have the mindset when I was in my 20s to start a business or anything like that. I was, oh, I didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> or my 30s, really. <laughs> but I would have went and worked with somebody else yeah. at 16. If yeah. I knew I could have found a job at six, I don't know if anyone would have hired me at 16, but I could drive. So, or even if I wanted to ride as a passenger as a repair technician for somewhere, you know. You know, I was talking with a, a client yesterday, actually, and he manages uh, this hospital downtown. And so he had lots of questions about what I do, my business, and we were talking, and he said, yeah, you know, I've been doing this job for 30 years. He said, I could retire, or no, he was 33 years, so he can already retire. He goes, and you know what, Liam? I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up, and I looked at him, I said, well, what's your passion? And, you know, he looked at me, and he's like, well, you know, and and we went off on a couple things, and he was like, I can tell you're passionate about this job. I said, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, when I was in college. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, grew up when I was in my 30s. But when I started doing this job, I knew that this was what I wanted to be. Yeah. I'm, I'm grown up now. Right. And this is my passion. And I love it. And he looked at me, he's like, maybe when I retire, I'll find mine. And, you know, I went <laughs> home and I thought about it. I'm like... This is this is why I do this job. This is why I love this job, and I'm so lucky that I do have this passion because there's so many people that work for oh, 33 yeah. years, 40 years, and they hate their job. They never right? find it. Right. Well, I, I mean, I I always knew I knew at 14 years old that I would work with wildlife, but I didn't know what I didn't really know what I was going to do. All it took was a phone call to the Georgia Department of Natural Resources, so I called them. When I was, I think I was 19. So I was on, I was kind of on the edge of thinking about dropping out of college because I was failing two classes and I didn't want to burn my parents' money any longer. And I hated school. But I needed to justify the reason I was going to school. So I called, I called a wildlife biologist, Georgia Department of Natural Resources, and I asked him how much money he made. <laughs> 
and I don't remember exactly what I said it, but I know I remember me sitting down and doing the math of how much money I made then as a park ranger, thinking, "Why am I going to school? Because I make the same amount of money now. What the heck am I doing?" So that's when I dropped out of college. I was like, "Screw this! What's the point? Mm-hmm. Like, if that's if that's in the, the chance of me going and working for a quail plantation in South Georgia, those jobs are few and far between." Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a couple friends that got lucky and they got in, mm-hmm. but I have a lot of friends that never found anything. Right. And they're they're uh, they're cruising timber now for a forestry company, you know, working working on the pine plantations every day. And I didn't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. You you don't. It, it, I feel very blessed too to know that I wanted to do this at a very young age. But yeah, it's extremely common. Yeah. That people have no idea what they want to do. I cannot imagine. I felt so, fortunate. It's a huge disadvantage <laughs> if you don't know what you want to do. Exactly. So that's awesome. Um, so what what would you say besides finding some great people and being great to your customers? Would you say that there's anything else that attributes to y'all's success? I think um, that through the course of doing this. And luckily, when I was with Wildlife Solutions, we had some excellent training. Yeah. Um, they were members of NACOA, National mm-hmm. Wildlife Control Operators Association. Yep. So I fell into to that pattern early on. So when I started my own business, I continued that path of training, training yep. and taking my employees to the conferences and the, and the classes. And that we are constantly looking online at new products. What is everyone else doing? So I feel like, especially here in Charleston, we're above the rest because we've kept up with the newest innovations and products and ways of doing things. Yeah. And that makes us stand out. Sure. Um, because you can look at a house side by side that we work on. Mm-hmm. Got their animals out, did all the exclusion work, cleaned it up. And then you can look at another house to the to yeah. that was by someone else and it's a complete difference yep um i was just looking at a repair that we did yesterday and i'm like wow that looks really good you can't even see it it's amazing and that's that's where we've gotten so good that yeah. we want our all our exclusion work to be barely visible for sure wildlife proofed but barely visible yes so i i think that makes us stand out i think that um, my team, we, we get together quite often. We'll go for lunches. We have meetings. Um, we we talk all the time. Mm-hmm. We talk about, hey, what's going on at this job? I feel like I let them do their thing, but I always like to know what's going on just because I like to know. Sure. How's that job going? What's happening? What you catch? Where's it getting in? Um, so I feel like there's a personal touch and. Not that a lot, not that a lot of other small companies don't have that personal touch, but I think larger companies that are huge, you don't have. There's not a, a very personal. Yeah, it's hard. Not as much of a personal touch there. It's hard to know what build every, a relationship exactly. with your employees. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely tough. Yeah. Um, we've always had a hard time with that because uh, I've just always been such a just business no emotion we're going hard you know and i forget oh wait a second hey how are you doing (laughs) um no it's it's tough so that's 
that's obviously good. What about like, so besides like the NACOA training, how about like sales training and stuff like that? Have you, have you looked at anything like that that's benefited your business? Um, well, I had so much sales training with Wildlife Solutions, um, and it's kind of interesting because now uh, at least one of my lead employees who's, who's in sales was trained, worked for another company before he came to me. That person, we used to work for Wildlife Solutions also. It's kind of all in the family, uh, okay. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, my, oh, yeah. my lead repair technician, he worked for another fella who also years ago used to work for Wildlife Solutions. Gotcha. Um, so, I, so how many companies are here that were spun off from, from Wildlife Solutions? Three? Um, one company's not here anymore. Um, one, two, probably only, oh, actually three. Yeah, three, probably three. Yeah, three. There's been, off the top of my head, one, two, three, four, five, six. I think I have like eight companies that have spun off of my company from former employees. Yeah. So it happens. Yeah, it happens. Um, but that's really interesting. Because the reason it's interesting is I always like to laugh about how, you know, it probably all started with true tech and critter control and then they hired people and then those people went out and started their own business so on and so forth and just kind of spread like wildfire across the country you rarely meet people which i've met a few but you rarely meet people in our industry that have never worked for another company almost the majority of them that have their own business worked for another company Mm -hmm. so same thing with pest control companies i would imagine one of my employees that was with me for the five years, um, who is now not no longer with us, but uh, he was the only employee that I've had in sales that did not start another wildlife company. He started from scratch, knew yeah. nothing. The same as the same as me yeah. when I started, I knew nothing. Um, so that was a matter of building up that training yeah. for all those years. Yep. Uh, which at first is hard. You got to you got to sit down. You got to go over sales, which he was already a salesperson. Um, right. In fact, that's how we met. Is because he was my rep for hardware cloth and uh, okay. Yeah, it, all the supplies. Right. Wow. And I'm just like you're a great salesperson. You want to come to work with me? He's like yeah. in the wildlife business. I'm like yeah. So he said interesting, and he loved it. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. But it's different cool. starting with someone who knows nothing yeah. versus having that person come in and it can be rather turnkey if they are oh, yeah. a lot. When you first started, went from employee to owner, were were you surprised at the amount of, especially when you started hiring employees, the amount of back office work that you had to do to kind of keep everything rolling? Oh yeah. <laughs> you had, did you have any idea? Uh, no, I really didn't have any idea. Um, you know, it's kind of funny, but because with Wildlife Solutions, we did everything on paper. Uh-huh. Everything. Everything yeah. was handwritten. Yeah. Um, so when I started my business, I said, okay, I'm done with this handwritten. We, we're going to, and I'm not even like a super tech savvy yeah. person, but I just knew 
I'm not gonna handwrite anything else. This carbon copy stuff, no way. So immediately I started setting up, you know, QuickBooks and just mm -hmm. a simple system. Um, and then went from there. But I think you're constantly learning as you're growing yep. about the, oh, I need this now. Oh, I need this. So there's, there's so much stuff that I yeah. had no idea what I right. was doing. I'm still learning. Yeah. Yeah. And your employees, they paid production or you pay them salary or uh, how do you pay? The sales tax and the lead repair tax actually make a salary uh, plus plus commission on production. Yeah. Um, so does my lead repair team as well. Nice. Um, I also offer um, a company match IRA program. Nice. Once you've been in for a year, um, you can start that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like my technicians all make a really good living. And that was my goal. I, yeah. I wanted to make everyone have a good living. Or right. a good wage. A career, a not a job. Exactly. Yeah. Because you want them to stay. Of course. Yeah. As long as they're doing good. And if they're happy, <laughs> I'm happy. Everybody's happy. That's right. No, Our it's a full circle. Happy. Yeah. Full circle. Uh, yeah, there's obviously increased quality of services to your customers. Um, then that leads to word of mouth, referrals. So, yeah, all works hand in hand. Well, I think we've been talking for about 40 minutes or so. So, appreciate your time, Leanne. You're so welcome. Glad you could make it. Glad I was in Charleston. Just happened to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So, Thanks for asking. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Okay. Thank you for listening to today's episode. It was brought to you by Conserve. Do you run a wildlife removal business and feel like you have no freedom? You're taking the phone calls, you're doing the services, and you just don't have enough free time for yourself. Are you ready to double or triple the size of your company and build a business that can run and grow without you while steadily increasing your profits? Well, Conserve partners with businesses just like yours all over the country and together we are building a fast-growing business around your goals and lifestyle. We can reduce your operating costs, we can increase your sales, and give you, the owner, more freedom and help you build a business that runs and grows without you. To set up an initial consultation, email us at growth at conservemail.com. That's G-R-O-W-T-H at C-O-N-S-E-R-V-M-A-I-L dot com.